And welcome to episode 133 of Three Geeky Ladies. I'm Elisa Paselli, and with me tonight are Vicki Stokes. Hi. And Suze Gilbert. Hi, everyone. How's everybody making out with the heat? Because it has been damn hot here. Well, you're not used to it. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Humidity has been killer, too. Yeah, we had, we've had out Delta breeze. So even though we've hit 90s and some upper 80s, it's... You know, the breeze makes it, you know, bearable. We don't have the kind of intense heat that you guys have, the humidity and stuff. So it's typical uh, uh, July weather. Well, Lisa, that's for not- one thing, I don't feel sorry for you. You've got a damn pool. So, you know. That's stop, where I've been. So stop <laughs> whining. And, you know, Texas, <laughs> Texas, actually, knock on wood, has not hit triple digit heat. But normally, I mean, our heat index, because the humidity has been 108. Mm-hmm. But, um you know, it's been miserable here. And, you know, when it's so miserable and humid, you, it's hard to walk your dogs. It's hard to go out and exercise. It's just, mm-hmm. ugh, it's miserable. Yeah, you don't want to go out. But keep in mind, we do not have air conditioning, which is why you oh, might well. be hearing the sound of a fan behind me. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But you know, We have no air conditioning, so it's rough. Is You know, I go to Vaison La Romaine every year in France. They mm-hmm. are in the hundreds this week. Yeah, week yeah, long. France, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know, you have these medieval um, buildings there, which have, you know, like, you know, six inch or 12 inch um, with stone. So that does help keep it cool. But they don't have a lot of air conditioning over there. They have heat pumps, mm-hmm. which, you know, do provide heat and AC. But it's miserable when it's out there. I mean, it's just absolutely mm-hmm. miserable when it's that hot. Yeah. My, my ship. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to add that my friend um, went to, uh, one of my friends went to Paris and called me from there. And she said, I love Chicago. <laughs> Where it went like steaming. <laughs> she said she goes uh, there and it was like being in Chicago. <laughs> I know. I mean, now France, that's yeah. very unusual for France. That might happen yeah. every once in a while, but not su- such a sustained period mm-hmm. of time, like, you know, a week or two. That's mm-hmm. pretty, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. England went through it too recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, burning so. up, but there's no global warming. We all know that. Yeah, good thing. Yeah. yeah. So we thought tonight we would um, keep it kind of light, and we're going to talk about what we've been watching on TV and reading, and what we've been doing. And uh, Vicky, you've got a book here that I read a few months ago. Oh, uh, becoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I finally got it. I, I you know I don't buy books anymore. I try to. Do you know? Patronize my local library, so I finally got the ebook. Uh, I put I put it on my list back in I think December, and I finally got it in April. And I'm still trying to read it. I don't have time to read. Um, and I was telling you girls that I'm I'm sorry I called you girls, you young ladies. That oh, I'll be a girl. I'll be <laughs> no, a girls girl. was fine. Girls was good. We're good. Okay, I, I was telling you girlfriends that. Uh, <laughs> um. It's sort of mirrored my life, you know. I mean, she has a middle class upbringing like me. Had parents who pushed our education, told us we had to be the best, all those kinds of things. And I recall saying that in my group supervision, my, my clinical supervision, because uh, we talk about ourselves and things of that nature. And the lady stopped. My supervisor stopped and said, "Oh my goodness, you 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 sound like Michelle Obama's uh, background." I said, "Well." 
I don't know about Michelle, but this is my real life. I got really defensive because <laughs> I thought maybe she thought that I was copying her her life. And I'd heard uh, some stuff about it. My sister read it and said, yeah, it sort of paralyzed our lives. And so I read it and I said, oh, wow, I could just skip through some of this because I know what she's going to say. I and mean, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so it's like, um, it is, you know, it's a very, I mean, she has a lot of, um, um, Things that were different, you know, her parents not having a home and stuff like that. My parents' idea was completely the opposite. You had to have a home and stuff like that. But it was like a very, um, it explains why she is the way she is. She's no nonsense. She's like focused. She, you know, um, if you like her or not, that's just, you You get that vibe from her that she's always known what she wants to do. And uh, you see it and you see why she's the way she is. Yeah, um, definitely yeah. focused is a good word. She mm-hmm. was definitely focused. And I had no idea of her education. I did. I did know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did know. Yeah. Yeah, that she yeah. has such an incredible education. Mm-hmm. And then the jobs she had before she became first lady. Yeah. yeah. I, again, I had no idea that she, like, she was. Wow. A, she was uh, uh, Obama's uh, mentor. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. It was an interesting book. Yep. But what yeah, else have you been reading? Oh, uh, didn't I have, um, I really like Lee Childs and the Jack Reacher novels. So another one came out. It wasn't all that great, but, you know, it's a formulaic kind of thing. And it's an escape kind of thing that I can get into when I read his books. Uh, and it's, it's a revenge element every time. And I love revenge stories. So... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, don't you like revenge stories? Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I do. That's my secret little thing. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. And then, then the final book that I just started is The Marriage Lies about a woman whose husband this, uh, went on a trip. The plane went down, but he he actually was supposed to be going somewhere else. And she's trying to figure out what was going on. And I just started it. Someone, someone suggested it. It's sort of a dry read right now, but I haven't really gotten into it. And I waited so long to get that one too that I'm just gonna just persevere. <laughs> yeah, the the dry reads are tough. Yeah, they are. Yeah, because yeah. I have read a couple like that where you have to just read a little bit, then you have to put it down and go to something else, otherwise your eyeballs kind of explode. Yeah, and then you sort of vested into it after that, so you so you spend so much time, you just gotta suffer, just suffer through it all and get it done. But yeah. You've got any books, Suze? I've been reading um, like four books concurrently. Mm. So, um, and my, I, you know, I always pretty much read nonfiction, but I fell in love. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys saw the National Park series, um, the National Parks, The Best Idea by Ken Burns. It's, it's mm. an older series. And we streamed it. I believe it was on Amazon Prime, but it's all about the the conception and inception of the national park system in the United States. It was a fabulous series. It's not all that long, but they had one. Um, they had you know you know several speakers in the series. But um, I love Terry Tempest Williams. I think she's one of the best environmental writers out there. And I I read her in college, um, and I have continued to really admire her writing and her insight on things. And so I'm reading um, one of her books, and it's called Finding Beauty in a Broken World. And she, you know, um, 
it's the way she writes. She has a very lyrical style of writing. And in this particular book, she also wrote one of the national parks. It's absolutely fabulous. And mm-hmm. I, I have that one. I've been kind of um, also reading that on the slide. But this particular one is um, she, she intersperses her prose um, with her research and the plight of the uh, black-tailed prairie dog which is an animal that's very near and dear to her heart and how they're um, killing them and basically trying to annihilate them in the West and how they're becoming endangered. It's, it's really a very well-written book, and I've really enjoyed that. But the other person that was in this uh, National Park series was a park ranger, and his name was Shelton Johnson. And what an amazing man. I mean, he, of course, he doesn't look his age. I think he's in his sixties and he, I don't know, he looks like he's, he's in his thirties, but he was, he was, had such a beautiful poetic, um, insight on the national parks when Mike and I were watching it, that he wrote a book actually, it was called Gloryland, And it is a, it's, I, it's, it's, uh, I would say it's fiction, but it's it's very historical, and it's about um, this share this man that was born um, from a sharecropper. His name was Elijah Yancey, and he never lived as his slave as a slave. But it's it basically depicts his uh, army career and his life, and then he ends up in uh, the newly created um, Yosemite Park when it first started out. Of course, you know we all know that John Muir, um, you know, helped was one of the ones that was very instrumental in creating Yosemite National Park. Thank you, John Muir. And that is, I just, just started that. So that was one that I really appealed to me um, about that because Shelton was saying, uh, you know, part of, you know, his, he, he still is working. He could retire. He's eligible for retirement, but he won't retire because part of his thing was getting people of color to come into the national parks, to enjoy nature, to camp. And, you know, I think you both know that camping is near and dear to my heart as well. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love the way he, he's gentle and he's, he's the type of person that Mike and I said, we would love to go to a lecture um, that he was at because he just has this beautiful way of depicting the national park and how important, you know, it is to America and just his insight on things. He's just a remarkable, intelligent uh, speaker. And uh, um, this book, again, is just very lyrically written, beautiful, beautifully written. And the other thing that I'm reading is because I have decided that now I'm becoming an older woman that, um, I'm I'm becoming more I'm becoming more silent, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm reading this book. Actually, this was by a main author, and I read about the review in the Portland Press Herald, and it's 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 called Silence. And the title is Silence, and it's a social history of one of the least um understood elements of our lives. And basically it's by Jane Brox, B-R-O-X. And this is really interesting. I'm in the third chapter now, and I never knew about Eastern State Penitentiary. Did you guys ever hear about that? Yes. yes. I never knew about yeah. this. And I guess you can go on tours. It's it's pretty it's much. It's in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. basically, when that started, one of our founding father, fathers was instrumental in starting that. And 
what's interesting about that is that the people that were in that particular uh, penitentiary, they felt they were almost in a, con- uh, a solitary confinement. They were allowed to go outside, but they the way that they organized and designed that penitentiary is that the person next to you, you never were able to know or speak to the person that was next to you in the cell. You got to go out, but it was like every other cell. So you couldn't like holler over the walls because when they originally um, started that penitentiary, they felt that silence would give a prisoner time to reflect on his so-called sins and his, and what he did uh, against society, and when he was released from prison, make him into a new man, or you know, it was pretty much men that were incarcerated there. So it's very interesting because she juxtaposes Eastern State Penitentiary with monasteries in the Middle Ages. It's it. I really enjoy this book. I you know again, I've just really started that. So I've been reading that, and I've also been reading um, A Walk in the Woods, and that is about a man in his forties that began walking the Appalachian Trail. Now, I have no desire to walk the Appalachian Trail, more or less. I've walked a little bit of it in Maine, but the Pacific uh, Crest Trail does interest me. I would, I guess that's on my bucket list is to maybe mm-hmm. do the 500-mile Oregon part of the, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail. But I think it's very interesting, you know, the way that he's written this is his encounters, um, you know, with people and animals and all of the trials and tribulations of walking the Appalachian Trail, which, you know, is quite an accomplishment in itself. So those are the books that I'm reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't your father um, a um, worked as a park um, worked for the park? My dad was a service. No, my forest, dad. My dad okay. Yeah, he was a for he worked for the U.S. Forest Service. He was a forest ranger, okay. and um, you know he taught me a lot about nature. But his, I think, if he ever had to do his career over, he would have been a park ranger because he's more conservation based and the forest service isn't necessarily, uh, they, they're into sustainable forestry, but they do work with timber companies and lumber companies, you know, for that. So, and I think it hurt his heart when he was doing it, like in the early, um, uh, 60s is that they were cutting down a lot of these old growth um, forest, redwood and sequoia forests, you know, in the West. And he still has a lot of regrets that he, you know, he had to mark those trees for, you know, to be cut down. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when they're gone, they're gone. You know, when you're talking about thousands of year old trees, uh, just for your board width to make homes or whatever, you know, that they're, they're gone. And again, that ties into the whole national park system and John Muir and Teddy Roosevelt on saving, you know, um, these swaths of land that, um, you know, can't be cut down, which is, you know, or or, uh, trees, which is really important. So. Well, like you, Suze and Vicki, I am also reading nonfiction. And one that I just finished reading a few months back was The Threat by Andrew McCabe. Uh, if you're not familiar, which I think most people are familiar with at least his name, he was the deputy director of the FBI up until March of 2018. And what he talks about is um, how he decided to become an FBI agent and what you have to go through. You just don't fill out an application and boom, you're in. There's a lot you have to go through to become even even a candidate for being an FBI agent. But obviously, he made it through and went through uh, training and so forth. And he talks about the uh, working with Louis Free, 
about being a street agent in FB, at the FBI field office in New York City, about um, how they went about solving the case of the Boston Marathon bombings, how they uncovered a plot to bomb New York City subways, uh, talking about and, and James Comey said the same thing in his book that Andrew McCabe said, as far as once you become an FBI agent, you don't want to leave. Even though you know you can make more money in private practice, whether it's in security, whether it's going back to law, because many of the FBI agents are lawyers before they become FBI agents, they don't want to leave. Hmm. And it's they love the job that much, and yeah. they are that dedicated, whether you are an agent, whether you are a forensic scientist, whether you're a computer programmer, whether you work with DNA, whatever it is you happen to do within the FBI, you don't want to do anything else. These are people that are dedicated mm-hmm. to the mm. rule of law and to getting, you know, finding the bad guys and bringing them to justice. And they also talks about how you interrogate a person, that you don't just, um, you know, yell and scream and carry on, that there are ways of interrogating a suspect to get the information that you need. So it was an, it was really interesting from the person, you know, you're looking at it from the agent's perspective of this is what we do to solve a case. Um, what, what you do if... Um, Say, you know, as a private citizen, you think something suspicious is happening and you alert the FBI and what they do to decide if this is something they need to pursue. You know, it goes through different steps. You know, they do this. And then if this comes out as a positive, then they go to the next step. And if that comes out as a positive, then they go to a full blown investigation. So it was in, that was it was definitely interesting from, you know, like I said, from the perspective of this is how we. Pick a case that's brought to us by the public. This is the things that we go through. This is the studying we do. These are the files that we keep. And for a lot of these FBI agents, they have photographic memories. I mean, they have all these pieces of information in their head where they can go, hey, I remember seeing that guy in this case that happened 15 years ago and putting all these different pieces together to hopefully solve a crime before it happens such as a bombing, something like that. So I found that to be a really interesting book. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then the other book that I read that's, you know, in the same genre is Doing Justice, A Prosecutor's Thoughts on Crime Punishment and the Rule of Law by Preet Bahara. Now, he was a U.S. district, you know, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. And he talks about the legal system. And again, we're looking at this from a totally different perspective. It's divided into four sections, inquiry, accusation, judgment, and punishment. And normally, as lay people, we would say, oh, that guy committed second-degree murder. He should go to jail for 40 years. Is that necessarily the proper punishment? And he talks about why it might and why it might not be. And all the different, um, you know, extenuating circumstances, all the different facts that have to be looked at to decide what the proper punishment for be, should be for a crime, should there be a punishment for a particular crime. And he uses a lot of real-life examples of cases that he's worked on, cases that he's familiar with. Like, for example, one one case was a particular person was accused of bombing a train. He, the fingerprints matched. 
There was all this other evidence that proved he did it, but he didn't do it. How, do, how does that happen? And he talked about that. Uh, he talked about Rikers Island. He talked about, um, you know, why he doesn't want to be a judge, because he doesn't want to be the person that has to take all this information and decide what the punishment for be when you are found guilty. So it was another book where you look at law from the lawyer's perspective and how the lawyer does let their own, you know, what happens when the lawyer's own, you know, biases influence something? How do you stop that from happening? Hmm. So, yeah, like he, the example he gave was uh, a room full of lawyers. Some had children, some didn't. Uh, the, the case was against a child abuser. Well, the people who had children wanted to see a harsher penalty than the ones that didn't, because the ones that had children think about their own children. What if he had done this to my child? So how your own life experience can possibly influence and how you need to put everything aside and look at what's in front of you and follow the rule of law. And that's the reason why you need to have a jury of your peers Mm -hmm. so they can relate to you. And he was talking yeah. about that also. He was talking about the jury. He was talking about the judge. He was talking about the lawyers. So he's talking about the rule of law from a perspective that you and I are not familiar. So, you know, it was another another interesting book. So those are two that I've read recently. So what about TV? Are you watching any TV? Yep. Yeah. What are you watching? What are you watching, Suze? Because I don't watch as much in the summer as I do. Well, the rest of the Man year. Man in the High Castle up in the summer. Man in the mm-hmm. High Castle comes out um, the last season, November fifteenth. So I'll wait for that. Mm-hmm. I know you guys didn't like Luther, but mm-hmm. I personally like the last. Um, I like the last season of Luther. I don't care. I really don't care. I hated it. it. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> I don't care. You guys are just jealous of Idris, okay? He was, yeah. Okay, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what we did is that, you know, Netflix has just been crappy. I, I'm going to be honest. There's nothing on Netflix. So we're actually thinking I'm getting rid of Netflix. So what we did is that we – I've mentioned this on Three Geeky Ladies before. We love the French series Spiral. You know, it's en Grenache um, in French, and it's it's called Spir- Spiral in um, the U.S., and so we found that Megahertz had the uh, season six. Uh, they don't have season seven yet. I think that it just got shown on French TV, Canal Plus, um, this early this um, this spring. So it probably won't be available for a while. But that we we first we did the trial, and then we just have kept going with it because we've been watching several different. Um, shows on it and i what i like about it uh they're picking up where netflix uh left off because netflix used to have some really great foreign shows and they've kind of just Mm -hmm. have been doing nothing so we watched anatomy of evil which takes place in vienna and we like that the guy actually looks like an aged johnny ive (laughs) that's what he reminded me of but Mm -hmm. that, that was good and then right now we're watching the season two. We watched the first season on Netflix when they had it, but it's called Trapped and it takes place in Iceland and it's a crime series. And we've, we've been enjoying that. So those are the things that we've pretty much been watching. I told you we just finished the national parks and we really enjoyed that. And um, so we've just been kind of doing, you know, our foreign thing. Now my son, 
Devin really wants us to watch Stranger Things. And I said, he said, Mom, it takes mm. place in the 80s. I said, you know what? I don't want to hear about this because I, I came of age more or less, you know, in the 20s and age. And I said, you make fun of my big hair that I had when you look at pictures in the 80s of me. So why would I want to watch a show when they all they had for music yeah. was one hit oh. wonders? And we had big hair and we had the fashion was horrible in the 80s. I don't need to go back to the 80s. Nah, I'm good. But well, he really liked Stranger Things. He really yeah, liked it. I, I, I watched that too. Uh, the first season was like a blast from the past, but it has to be more than that. And so I yeah. suffered through the second season, the third season. Uh, I, I sort of finished watching the third season a couple of months ago, and then there's this fourth one, and I'm, I, I, can't, I don't think I can finish it. It's just not enough. This is the third season. season. I, mean, I, I don't know why I'm saying the fourth. I'm, I, the third yeah. season. Third season. I suffered through the second season and watching the third. Yeah. Yeah, the second season I didn't like as much as the first, but it, Stranger mm-hmm. Things, like some people go crazy over it like they did for games thrones i don't get you had, that yeah you know you had the yeah. people who loved game of thrones and i liked game of thrones but i wasn't like oh my god and stranger things too, too. stranger yeah. things was one of those shows where i said yes yeah, worth watching mm-hmm. but it's not oh my god yeah right um yeah it's we not- haven't watched it yet that's like one of the few like my husband and i don't watch a lot of tv shows together because he doesn't watch a whole lot of tv but stranger things we watched separately i had already watched it and then someone told him, so he watched season one by himself. We watched two by, he watched two together. Three we haven't watched yet because we're still watching Chernobyl. Yeah. I'm not so watching. we have. I, see, I, I can't do Chernobyl because I have to have it accurate and it's not historically accurate. And I really, it, it shows that, that depicts stuff like that, that actually is a historical happening that bothers me when they're not accurate. So I can't, I, I, I just can't watch it. My son again loved it, but I don't want to watch it because it's not accurate. I, I, I really like accuracy. So I guess that's more my nonfiction. I just type. can't, I just can't watch sad stuff, you know, like that. I mean, I, I have to back off on that kind of stuff. I'm trying to relax and I don't think I can relax. Much. Well, we're, it's only five episodes. We have one more, maybe tomorrow night we can finish the last one, Okay. but it's also one of those shows where it's a, about an hour, so it's not a huge commitment, mm-hmm. but it's also not the kind of show you probably want to binge. I mean, you could very easily do it in a day because it only take you maybe five and a half hours to watch the whole series, so you probably could, but because of the subject matter, you probably don't want to. Yeah. yeah but, you know, I think they do a disservice when they don't make things entirely accurate because we don't need mass <laughs> hysteria. And you know what I think people, you know, when you... When you do something like that, when you take a historical event, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, whether it's the Holocaust or whether it's a nuclear incident like that, you do a disservice to the watching public if you don't get it right and you're not historically accurate. Because many people do not read books. They read, they, they get their history from watching shows. So if you, if you, if you make a show and you're inaccurate on the facts, you know, let's face it, the general public right now is going to accept those inaccurate facts as fact. So that's what bothers me. About yeah, it, and start quoting it as if it's a fact. I mean, yeah. everything you watch on TV should be probably be skeptical of and try to verify. We, we have a computer in our hands. We can I always know. verify stuff, but there are people who won't do that. 
No, else? but they will they will spew off facts like you know. But they're they're it's misinformation, and that really irritates me. You know, do it right and do it accurately. That's you know because Google fact. actually has a scholar scholar.google.com where you can yeah. find scholarly articles about just about anything. You yes, know, people you who've actually done the research. You know, so you yeah. know, um, <clears throat> I don't. Know. I like Google. I like Google Scholar. It, it's an mm-hmm. actually really good resource. It and, is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else you're watching? Now I'm just looking at the reviews for Chernobyl. There's a lot of tens and there's a lot of ones. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, yeah. The one would probably be me. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, you I, think? Oh, go ahead. Have you seen it, Suzanne? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> now again, I I know that is probably you know I just once I found out because before I I invest time in something. You know, I mean, I don't mind investing lighthearted, um, you know, uh, evenings watching a crime series once in a while. That, that's okay because that's just like a stress reliever. But if I'm going to invest time and think about something and I'm going to be thinking about an event like Chernobyl or 9-11 or the Holocaust, I want it to be accurate because I'm most likely going to do research after, especially if it piques my interest. So when they don't get it right in the beginning, that really irritates me. So yeah, so it doesn't interest me. I know that's horrible to say, but that's just how my mind works. Yeah, you probably would want to find a book on it or whatever. Yeah, I would read a book. But you know, we also lived through that too. You know, remember I was a you know, I know like my son, who's a millennial, did not. So, you know, it's it's all new to him. And I, I had to say, no, Deb, that's not true. You know, blah, blah, blah. You need to research that. And he's like, no, I will. I will. And he did. But, you know, again, that's that misinformation because, you know, people, it, it's such, I think it's such a, I want to say, well, yeah, I, you know, a nuclear incident is shocking. Let's face it. It, it is shocking, you know, and, and it makes people scared. But, you know, when I go to France, um, they get a lot of their electrical power through nuclear power. And, you know, France, not as far as I know, hasn't had any major incident uh, with nuclear power. So, you know, I think, um, I think there's this fear of, of nuclear power. And um, I think that does a disservice, uh, you know, to the public when you, when you stoke up fear like that. I, to me, that's like fear mong- mong- Yeah, but you, you sort of can understand that because we have a government who will sell us out for a buck, you know, turn their backs. So look look what, what happened with Boeing. You know, Boeing was the government's uh, fair-haired child. They were pushing Boeing because they all had relationships with these people. These people going back and forth uh, from the government jobs to jobs at Boeing and giving them special treatment. And they did not regulate them. They allowed them to regulate themselves. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, our lives are not worth anything if you're going to do that. So I can see why people feel that way about nuclear power plants. Right now, we're in an era of regulations just being ignored. You know, that's a popular conservative um, thing is that we're overregulated. But our lives are more important than money and the company's ability to make money. And in the capitalist society, that's what keeps the businesses open, you know, the, the shareholders and, and, and making a buck, you know. And there's some things, I think, like public utilities where profits should be put aside. You know, we got PG&E uh, killing people here in, this, <laughs> in the state of California because they don't want to update the wiring and, or cut trees away from 
uh, around um, uh, vegetation, you know, but they got money to, for millions of dollars of, uh, 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 for, for their CEOs. They're still making their profit. And to, and to address the issues with the fires, we, the consumers, are going to have to pay for it. You know, they have to raise the rates and we're paying for it. You know, so it, it's ridiculous. Um, I truly think public utilities should not be, <clears throat> I think they should, they should be public utilities and not privately owned. Um, and, and even if they are privately owned, the regulations should be so strict. You know, they need to be answering to things. They need to do what's in the, in the public's best interest. And, and that doesn't happen here. It's not happening here now, but what can you say? I get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 unfortunately we live in a very you know like you said capitalist and consumerist type of society, and everything mm-hmm. is about you know money. Because when you think about you know Jeff Bezos, and you think about this enormous wealth that we have, mm-hmm. and how people are fleeing you know Africa or uh, Central and South America because of the dire conditions. I mean, this money. Instead of going for more private jets, I mean, think of the good they could do. I have to say, Bill and Melinda Gates, you know, um, to 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 be uh, so sensitive to the needs, you know, of a country in the world, and and do a lot of their philanthropy <laughs> to try to, you know, help out the dire poverty in Africa. I think that's really important. I'm sorry, widget, knock it off. Sorry, my dog, my dog knocked into the, into the, the, the closet and it scared the, it scared the heck out of her. Stop it. It's fine. Um, you know, so that does bother me. That really does bother me. And, um, you know, I know. I th- I think that's. I think the dire condition right now. I mean, just the way it's everything is so polarized as far as politically in this country. Mm-hmm. I find myself just becoming uh, more consumed with just like you know reading, reading nonfiction, reading about nature, uh, you know, camping, trying to live a very simplistic life because it's mm-hmm. just getting so depressing. It's just getting so. Depressing. Well, then maybe I won't tell you what the other thing I've been watching is. Oh no! What? The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, oh I read I it. I it. read the book. I read the book. I, I couldn't finish. Yeah, I read the book, the book too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is this is season three. I think <clears throat> I've watched five episodes so far. Something like that. I tried to watch it. I just couldn't. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's, it's, it's a tough. It's tough. It's, it's a tough it watch. Disgusts, it literally disgusts me. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I don't know if there's going to be a season four or if this is it. Mm. If if it if the last show of this season wraps everything up, I don't know. We'll we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. And the other thing I'm watching is Big Little Lies. Yeah. In I fact, that. Uh, I the book right. Too. In fact, right now is the season finale as we speak. Yeah. So um, that was one of those shows where I had no interest in it. Mm-hmm. I knew that they had um, won some uh, Emmys for the acting and and so forth. And then I kept seeing all these people saying that they liked it, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, eh, you know, it's only one hour, less than an hour, seven episodes, no big deal. It's not a huge time commitment. And I started watching season one, was it March or April? Somewhere somewhere earlier this year, I was watching it. And again, it was one of those shows where it's worth watching, but it's not like, oh my God, you must watch this show. Yeah. And then when I watched the last episode, tied everything together, 
Yeah. That's when I just went, whoa, now I get it, because yeah. all those questions were answered. Yeah. And that was in 2017, and there was such a demand that HBO said, okay, Leanne Moriarty, write another book, write another screenplay. Hmm. So this is so you've oh. got season two, which, again, is seven episodes, about 45 minutes apiece. Tonight is the last one. Tonight's going to wrap up all the questions, wrap up, you know, tell us all the answers, whatever they happen to be. Mm -hmm. And that'll be it. So once you're done with tonight's episodes, you're done. Mm -hmm. I have to say, without giving any spoilers or anything, uh, Meryl Streep is on this season Mm -hmm. as one of the characters' mother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, my God. Herp. What a bitch. Oh, she's creepy. <laughs> she really is creepy. so <laughs> passive aggressive. Like oh, her entire God. character like is passive aggressive. Therapy can up. Yeah, oh, she's just she's making but I think <laughs> but I think tonight cuz I've always I said to somebody, I hope we find out why she is the way she is. And I think in tonight's episode, we find out the why she is the way she is. Yeah. 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 I think, but uh, oh my God, like she is absolutely, she has got to be nominated for Emmy. How could her children not be as wacky as she was? Yeah, I mean, she's got to be nominated for an Emmy for her yeah. work because, I mean, Meryl Streep is, you know, she's Meryl Streep and she's always fabulous, but she is so, I mean, she's, you just, you despise her from the yeah, minute she steps foot, from the you minute do. she steps foot on screen, I, I, I her first one, her you're like, of, I want to push her off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, and, She's just so mean to people, and she's yeah. just, you know, smiling at you from the front and stabbing at you in the back from, the you know, from behind her. the thing you've ever heard yeah. anybody say to anybody. That's the kind yeah. of person she is. Yeah. Yeah, she's just yeah. very passive. Don't even have to know you. She just start jumping yeah. into your stuff, you know, like. You know, like, oh, Vicky, you're the Vicky that they were talking about. Like, <laughs> and then say something, uh, something like, Jesus, yeah. people were saying that about me. <laughs> yeah, so you don't know how to take that. It's like, yeah, did they yeah. say good things about me or bad things about me? Yeah. 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 It's, it's really weird. So that's that's all I've been watching. Yeah. Uh, Vicky, I saw you you watched Always Be My Maybe. I love it. That looked like a cute movie. It is cute. It is exactly cute. It's, it's, it's in San Francisco. It's two, two Asian uh, people. And you don't see them as love interests. And so that was just so refreshing. And so you got to watch that. And then watch, I, I, as I said before, I'm trying to finish Stranger Things. I don't. It's sort of like I just feel like I have to finish watching it. Do I know I don't? <laughs> and then there's a series. This is all on Netflix. Dark, which is a series that's supposed to be about some starts out with some missing kid and some mystery about it and they're going back this has happened before and children are missing and it's it's strange i'm like the third episode halfway through it and i just can't wait till they get to the doggone point i can't stand shows like that that just ramble on and on you may like this uh uh um, Suze, not because it's rambling on and on, but, but it's, it's based <laughs> in German. I know you like these foreign kind of things. Yeah, I do. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just can't get into it. Um, I'm going to keep at it because this they have two seasons and this is the first one. So maybe it'll be good. You know, I don't know. Um, but I got to finish it. And then there was this movie called The Silence. It's sort of like that movie where uh, what the Kaczynski guy was in. Where he, you can't talk there. Quiet place is that it's what it's called? Place. It's sort of like that, and where they, they have to be quiet. And it was actually good too. I thought, oh, this is a knockoff, but it was good. 
um, I forgot the guy's name, one of the stars of it. Um, God, Stanley um, Tucci is in it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, I was surprised. You know, it, it, very suspenseful. Um, not as good as The Quiet Place, which I thought was quite excellent, but uh, the silence is good. Hmm. I know I put The Quiet Place <clears throat> on one of my lists. It's yeah. either on Netflix or Amazon Prime for free now. I think it's on. I think it's on Prime. I'm not sure. Yeah, one remember. or the other. Yeah. yeah, I put it on my list to watch yeah. eventually. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'm getting. I'm getting like you, Suzanne. I think it's probably time to let Netflix go because I'm grabbing that straws to find stuff to watch. Um, yeah, I'm having a really hard time. You know, yeah. it's just they have nothing. So. It's so it's Amazon Prime. I mean, I watched Bosch, and it wasn't all that good this season. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, oh it was too. Come no, on, it man. wasn't. Yes, it was. <laughs> not this. I mean, Bosch is a good show, but not this. This no, season this was season just as good as last. Uh, yeah, like, this well, season was just. I bleh. like this season. Well, I, I like Titus Weller, so I'm always interested in watching him, and I'm always pulling for him. And and the storyline, the the um, the author of those books. You're right. It's a very well-written series. Michael so, Conley. Michael Conley. It's yeah. a very well-written series. Uh, and I, I expect uh, it to the next couple of seasons to get better. But this one was not as good as the other ones. It was much more interesting than anything else there is to watch on Amazon Prime, that's for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, many, how many seasons will there be, assuming they base it on every book? They don't. They, he, they don't, Michael, no. Michael Conley yeah. is, he's one of the producers and what he does is they, it's an amalgam of several mm-hmm. books. So he yeah. takes like oh, plot okay. lines from Sometimes several characters books. And stuff too. But you know, my husband, um, he, because he doesn't have time to read. So what he does, he gets the audiobooks. you know, when he goes to work and actually Titus Welliver is uh, narrating one of the Harry Bosch books. And oh. Oh, yeah, Michael loves it. He's like, this is so awesome. Yeah. But, um, I don't know if you ever saw The Lincoln Lawyer. Michael Conley also yeah. wrote that. And that was a movie. And Matthew McConaughey played in it. Uh, Mickey yeah. Ho- Mickey Holler, Holler. And so that is Bosch's half-brother. And so Michael is actually, I think they're going to be doing a series, if I'm right, that kind of like Bosch and Mickey Holler. And I don't know if Titus will be playing that, but that's going to be um, like... Uh, um, you know, the Lincoln lawyer with, with Harry Bosch, but I'm not sure if that's going to come to Netflix or not. Hmm. I think I saw that movie. That was good. It was very good. I remember. He, he, he's a lawyer and he literally conducts um, his business out of the backseat of his Lincolns and he has a driver. <laughs> like, yeah, that's oh, no, the I did I that. lawyer. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I love it. No, maybe I didn't. I rem- I, I've heard of it. I it's can't remember good. if I saw it, it or it's, not. It's an older movie, but that's a good Friday night movie if you don't know uh, what to watch because Matthew McConaughey is really good in it. So it's mm-hmm. it's the Lincoln Lawyer. It's it's been out yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, but so what are we doing? I took up. Well, I had a big birthday as you guys both know, mm-hmm. and um, I ended up getting Nordic pole poles for Nordic pole walking for my birthday. And mm-hmm. they differ from trekking poles because um, they have like little feet on them. It's like a cross country. It's like cross country skiing. It's like cross country walking. I guess that's how yeah. it originated. Yeah. 
and you have like this thumb glove that you on the on the handles of the poles that you put your thumb into and so when you make your stride and i only do it at night until i get my technique down so my neighbors can't see me um because <laughs> i don't want to look like a fool uh, until i get it perfected but you when you walk your pole literally that little foot grabs mid stride and you kind of release the pole when you're doing your downstroke and then when you do your upstroke with your arms you grab it again and it it really gives you a full uh upper body workout as well when you're walking and so it's it's really popular and i had trekking poles because i've been training for you know hiking mont ventoux in september but i really i really enjoy this uh, nordic pole walking so if somebody wants to try that out they should look it up online and you can get the poles on amazon and they're really great they're, it's it's awesome it's a great exercise it's just it's hard to do when it's 100 freaking degrees outside <laughs> but you can do it early in the morning so i try to go out early that's morning what, that's, night. that's what you should have said you said not that your neighbors wouldn't see you says oh it's just so hot yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want my neighbors to see me either. Not until I get. I don't blame you. Good no, I, at it. I, I I got in shape when I was when I used to work out a lot. I got in shape before I went to the gym because I didn't want anybody to see how out of shape I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like cleaning your house before the maid gets there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I sure did. <laughs> well, you know, I used to have a Nordic track when I lived in Maine. And because, you know, winters there are horrendously long. And I love the Nordic track because I, I love, you know, that whole motion of cross-country skiing. And the Nordic track, again, was a full body workup, uh, workout. Excuse me. You know, yeah. your arms and your legs. And, you know, for people with bad knees like I have, it's it's not harsh on the knees. Cause I can't run, but I can do the, you know, that gliding motion. And this is in a way very similar to that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really great. It's very inexpensive to get into the polls. I think the polls on Amazon were 30 something bucks. And I thought that was very reasonable and uh, yeah, I love them. So that's what I'm doing. I should say. <laughs> my, my doing is my usual, lots of concerts. And the pool, and the pool. And the pool, yep. I went to see Jackson Brown a few weeks ago, and I'm telling you, if you look at what, if you look at him now, he's about, he looks like he's about 100 years old. He just looks so old. But if you listen to his music, he sounds exactly the same as he did in the 1970s. Wow. Well, we're all getting It's sad to say, geez, Louise, we are. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, unbelievable how he sounds the same. I mean, you know how the artists that we used to listen to in the 70s and the 80s, they can't reach those notes anymore, so they have yeah. to lower their... Yeah. yeah. He I sounds I, I think, exactly the same. I think some of those people really didn't, weren't really good singers. They weren't um, um, professional, accomplished singers. You know, people who have took voice lessons, they know how to control their voice and stuff like that. So some people like him probably did he had that skill or he had that training and they don't they didn't ruin their voices uh, over the years and and plus he's more you know mellow folky kind of music it's not the screeching kind of music but i mean he sounded the concert was just okay because he did a lot of deep cuts that no one you know like only the really diehard fan knew Mm -hmm. so there was that um but otherwise he sounded great Mm -hmm. and we also went to see earth wind and fire Oh, I love and I wish I'd see that. Oh, yeah, we yeah. saw them at a at a new to us venue that's mm-hmm. only less than an hour away in Massachusetts. Oh, cool. And it's you know, and because it's in Massachusetts, it had a very hippie vibe to it. <laughs> you know, you could br- you could bring your cooler in because we sat on the lawn. 
Mm-hmm. You could bring your cooler in. You can't do that here. Mm-hmm. There's no security to go through. I just went up to the window and bought the tickets. And then you just hand your ticket to someone and they scan it. And they're like, you know, mm-hmm. have fun. And you just walk in and we're like, where's security? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going through the metal detector. Like, this is so weird. But it was a nice venue. Earth, Wind & Fire is always good. Yeah. And uh, week and a half, we go to see the Rolling Stones. Wow. Oh you know, us and about 60,000 of our closest friends in New Jersey. <laughs> that sounds like And fun. Then, uh, then I've got coming up um, Kiss. You do have Kiss? Wait. Yep. I'm going to see Kiss and uh, lawn seats for that one, so I'll be doing a lot of people watching. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Peter Frampton. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's bald now. <laughs> he has yeah. been for a long time. Yeah. But he's got some sort of debilitating illness, so this is his oh, that's final right. tour. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is his right. final tour. Yeah. And I've seen him a number of times. He really puts on a great show. I've seen him since uh, like 1979 or something when he had the long hair. Mm. So he puts on a good show. So that's that's my concert going for the see, rest of I the summer. I got to see Hello Dolly uh, last week. Yeah, yeah. I saw that you mentioned that. Yeah, I never, you know, I knew the music, but I never knew about really the play, the whole plot line. And it actually mm-hmm. was really great. And Betty Buckley, remember Ada's Enough? Mm-hmm. She played yeah, the yeah. yeah. She's a, well, she, a big Broadway uh performer. Yeah, yeah. She is. Yeah. And she, she has a, a ranch up in Fort Worth. And um, when they offered her the role, of Dolly, uh, she decided to take it. She's 72 years old. She brought the house down because, of course, she's a Texas girl. But she was really good, too. I mean, again, like you said, she can't hit the high notes, you know, mm-hmm. but the other singers were fabulous, and she did a really super job. She was very funny. You know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of um, uh, comedy in it. And, uh, yeah, we we really enjoyed it. I wasn't, um, you know, I thought, oh, I guess we can go. Yeah. But I'm yeah. glad we did. You know, I, would I really love to see her. She's a really great actress. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She was really good, and and kudos for her for 72 years old. And still. Wow, that's amazing. That yeah, really there's is. a lot. If you look at Broadway, there's a lot of of actors and actresses that are on the yeah. older side that are just still incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really cool. I, I'm very happy to see that. So yeah, I forgot. Yeah, in a couple of weeks we go to see the touring company of Hamilton. Oh, oh cool. you're gonna love it. Oh, yeah. love it. Well, the, the funny thing about but it's too the funny thing <laughs> about that is, I mean, the security on that. Yeah. We bought a subscription in March of 2018. We bought a six-show subscription to the local theater, only so that we could make sure we guaranteed Hamilton tickets. Wow, that's a smart. And yeah. as soon as we paid for the subscription. All five of the other shows were downloaded to my computer as a PDF. So I was able to print them out right away. Oh, cool. Not Hamilton. Oh. Hamilton tickets Hamilton tickets went on sale the end of June. Naturally, the servers crashed. Mm. People were lining up outside. People were trying to buy them online. It was just crazy. So last week I called and I said, when am I getting my Hamilton tickets? And I said, I'm a subscriber. And they said, we're not sending them out until the first week in August. And our show is like August 14th or something like that. And we're not emailing them. You're either getting them by mail or you have to go to will call. And she looked it up and she goes, you're will call. I said, oh, no, we're not. You're mailing ours. I cannot even think about what that line is going to be like for Mm -hmm. will call. She goes, oh, yeah, that's fine. We can mail them to you. Okay. There's just, there's a lot. The problem was because it's Hamilton, there's Mm -hmm. already been fraudulent tickets. So they keep putting advertisements out on the TV, on Facebook, on Twitter, 
do not buy tickets anywhere except from us because those tickets are fraud. Yeah. You know, and if you buy fraudulent tickets, there's nothing we can do for you. You're yeah. out whatever money you spent. Yeah. Yeah, we we went Hamilton was was really good. We enjoyed that, but I have to say the my favorite out of the whole season because that was the same thing with us. We knew Hamilton was coming, so we bought seasons tickets because we wanted to see Hamilton. And um, we was Book of Mormon. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we saw that too. No, I love the. I could see the Book of Mormon again. I thought that was absolutely hysterical. So I think we liked it better the second time than the first time. The first time we saw it, that was another time when the first time it came around here, the Book of Mormon. I remember sitting in front of my computer like ten o'clock Monday morning when they went on sale, and I like go these are the seats I want. And I put everything in and I put the payment in and I hit send for payment. We're sorry. We can't, you know, we're sorry something happened. Like, oh my God, the servers crashed. It took, and that's what happened. The servers crashed because the demand was so great. And eventually I got the tickets. This time when it came through, I ended up winning through a Twitter, I can't remember if it was a Twitter or Facebook contest, but I ended up winning, in quotes, winning, the opportunity to buy $25 tickets. Hmm. So I said to my husband, I said, well, for 25 bucks, why not? Because we were like, Book of Mormon was good, but it wasn't, you know, it was okay. It wasn't worth seeing a second time. We, I think this was in May. So we said, ah, for $25, you know, it's a night out. That's fine. So we go and we're online to the box office to get the tickets. And then this woman taps me on the shoulder and she says, do you have tickets? And I said, no. And she goes, here, my, our friends can't show up. Wow. Oh, wow. We got like fifth row orchestra seats. Oh, wow. And so I went to the box office and I said, no, you can give our give up our tickets, you know, give them to somebody else because we have, we've already got tickets. What would they have been? And they would have been orchestra a couple rows behind the ones they gave us. But mm-hmm. we ended up, you know, parking on the street so we didn't have to pay for parking, mm-hmm. free tickets. And it was so funny the second time around. That's 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 definitely a politically incorrect show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is so funny. If you can just, you know, put that aside and you don't mind hearing lots of F-bombs. But it has it, a lot. It has a, uh, it, it, I wouldn't say it's just about religion and it doesn't really, uh, I wouldn't say disparage the Mormon uh, religion. It, it actually has a good message in it, you know, at the end. I, th- I think that, I think it was very I think it was very it's, well done. It was very well done. And it's done. funny. And it is it funny. very funny. I mean, we had it, people, you know, really just, I, I was laughing till I was crying and I don't normally yeah. do that. So yeah. Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good. It was very good. But we have Fiddler on the Roof next month and that's the end of the season for us. And I, Oh, we have that next year. Yeah. I've never seen Fiddler on the Roof, so I'm actually kind of excited. I saw the yeah. movie, but I didn't see the play. I've never seen the movie. I told my husband I want to see Fiddler, and he just kind of looked at me. I'm like, okay, I'll find somebody else. <laughs> I want to, but we have Fiddler on the Roof coming for the 19, 2019-20 season. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, we have that uh, next week. Which I want to year. see. Yeah, yeah. And I can't remember what else. So we, like have, maybe- we have Cats, but... You know, I've already seen Cats twice. I don't want to see it again. So that's why I'm not really caring. But the movie, did you see see how freaking creepy the trailer was? was? That's what I've heard. It is creepy. I would never see the movie. It would, oh my God. I've heard it was creepy. That's the exact word that I heard was creepy. It was. It was like, why would anybody want to see that? Yeah, it's creepy. Or maybe they want to see it because they want to see how creepy it really is. (laughs) 
No. They, they got they got the animated bodies, and I think it's like uh, fa- human faces on it. Yeah, it's the makeup yeah. is really weird. It's yeah. It's well, we've got the same things you have, Suze. We've got coming um, the band's visit, yeah. Fiddler on the Roof, mm-hmm. the Donna Summer musical, the play that goes wrong, no, Cats, Hello yeah. Dolly, and Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, we That's, have Dear Evan Hansen and Cats next year. Yeah, this is two thousand twenty. And I am going. My girlfriend is going to get tickets to me to go see Frozen. I am going to see Frozen. Frozen <laughs> is in November. Hey. <laughs> yeah, Frozen we have in November. Yeah, so I would probably see that. Yeah, so it's probably it's probably the same group of group of uh, of actors yeah. that we're getting. You're just getting it before we are. Because we did see Aladdin last month, and that actually was fabulous. The costume. Did we have Aladdin? The only one we walked out on that I hated, it was horrible, was Miss Saigon. We walked out halfway. Uh, we didn't Miss, have that one. We didn't come back. It was not good. It was not, oh, God. It was just so overdramatic. It was, you know, it just wasn't my cup of tea. We, are, are, is, what about you, Vicky? Are you um, doing anything other than working? Uh, well, I was going to go to the, to um, France, but I'm canceling that trip. What? Oh, uh, I, I, I can't, and I said she can't go, and it's sort of... I don't know. It's it's um, it doesn't really coincide with uh, in a time where I can really I should really be trying to take time off because we have the week of um, Christmas where our uh, my agency is closed and um, I have no choice in the matter but to take vacation during those days. So um, and it just. Yeah. Because I won't have that whole week, I'm limited in terms of when I can schedule to see my clients. So it's, it's a little difficult. And then plus, I don't want to go by myself. It was a vegan trip, you know, and I'm not a vegan. so. <laughs> well, I'll be so, there in September if you want to come and visit me. What, in, in Paris? In, in France? Uh, in France, I'll be in I'll be in Provence. Uh, I always go in Provence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the trip is not in, uh, in September. It's it's like uh, October. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have fun in France. Thank you. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, we would love to hear some book recommendations or some TV shows that you think are really good. So let us know, 3geekyladies.com with the number three spelled out. You can find our contact information there. Uh, Hit us up, let us know. We're always interested in getting some new books or some new ideas or things to watch. So we thank you so much for listening today, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go, wait, go where? The commercial guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.